please. What's up, guys? It's Saturday, March 31st, 2012. It's not this, it's not that, it's yet, yet another techshow.com. My name's Matt Lee. Joining me tonight, today, this afternoon, we have a great panel, as always. The Yats crew starting at the top, Ant Pruitt. What's up, my man? What's going on, Matt? Down one under from him, Larry Press. What's up, sir? Glad to be here, guys. And I'm there right under him, and under me, Mike Rothman. How you doing? I'm great today, guys. How are you all? Good, right. good. This People is listening on the radio, or on the audio, aren't going to know what you mean by under each other. Yeah, well, we record these uh, once a week. Yet another tech show.com's our site. Subscribe in iTunes, follow Twitter, Facebook page. But we're going to start doing these publicly so you guys can join us in the Hangout and participate live. But for now, uh, that's what we're using. Uh, you Hangouts with extras. And so we're lined up. Circle gets a square. Starting at the top, how's everybody been? We getting good feedback on the show, Ant? Man, we are getting some really good feedback. I've gotten a lot of compliments from, I hate to say it like this, but all walks of life, not just tech folks, but just people in general wanting to know what's been going on. And um, they've really been digging it. I think that's key. If we can reach, you know, the broadest audience out there, listen to the yep. show, laugh a little bit, learn a little something, and hey, come out, come out for your day with a, a little better outlook on the technology that surrounds us. A common thread was you guys just are so laid back and not full of yourselves, and it was comfortable. Well, it's just a conversation. <laughs> we're just here to talk about what we enjoy. So, like I said, we're in iTunes now. You can go to yetanothertechshow.com, and uh, there's buttons there that will take you to mm. iTunes. If you enjoy the show, write us a review and give us a rating. We really appreciate that. So, oh, yeah. I'm, um, I'm going to subscribe. Hey. Yeah, subscribe. <laughs> Get fresh yats once a week when they're published. And uh, we'll be writing blog posts um, on all everything Yats related is at yetanothertechshow.com. So tell your friends. Uh, let's fresh, start. Fresh Yats. It sounds like something that you ought to spread on your toast. <laughs> Isn't <in> it? <laughs> I'll take an order of fresh marmalade and Yats. All and right. Yats. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, let's take it at the top. Ant, you had an interesting piece. You wanted to talk about some music subscription services. Uh, we got, of course, Google Play Music. You can play music. Uh, that's no longer beta, hasn't been for a while now. Uh, 20,000 right. song limit, and you can buy songs through the Play Store, which is pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, that's up against, what, Amazon Cloud Player. Then we have the streaming services only, like a Spotify, Spotify. Uh, RDO. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's, I mean, there are a dime a dozen nowadays, it, it feels like. All right, you know, but... Most people, they think about Pandora when they think about music online, but I wanted to go a little further outside the box. I'm sure all of the geek world knows about Spotify and knows about RDO. Those are really, really popular. Um, but then you have your limitations as far as subscription fees and whatnot. Now, Spotify, they, 
at one time said they were going to implement a 10-hour limit on how much you can stream stream audio per month for um, without having to deal with the cat. What does what does that accomplish? Is that them trying to make up for not having the the room on their servers or that's the bandwidth? The bandwidth they're saving. It's bandwidth mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. So it's just yeah. it's solely there to increase profits. Right. So you get you get somebody mm-hmm. subscribing like myself. I'm a proud subscriber. I pay the uh, ten dollars a month. Sure. And and I'm hooked on it. It, it. I'm able to have it on the computer when I'm sitting at work or what have you. Um, I can take it into the car on my mobile phone, and it's just anything that I want to hear, whether it's locally on the device or something that I just pick from their library because they have a huge library for all of the right. tracks. And you think of some song off the top, and it's out there. So is know? it more than is it more than just a streaming service? The, these are music discovery. There's a social avenue to them. Yes. It's, it's a it's whole. Both, it's, it's the whole gambit there because it allows you to socially share. It's really integrated in tightly with uh, Facebook, but um, I'm not a Facebook. Do you feel like that's evil? Do you feel like that's the key for any successful music service is to have that social integration? That way, to not only are you helping spread the word of the artist music you're listening to, but you're also getting people to that service and to the platform mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe some of them are artists. So now they're putting their stuff on there and it snowballs. Well, everybody knows if you got somebody that has 500 million users, you want to be their friend for real, you right? Know? Justin Timberlake <laughs> and MySpace bringing it back from the dead. Happy Easter. <laughs> He's trying his best. He's yeah. Yeah. To- yeah. Mike. One of the things I love about Spotify is that you can download music, uh, to your mobile device, so your iPhone or Android device, and take it with you, take the music with you to locations where you're not going to have uh, a connectivity. connectivity. So, for example, so for example, I take uh, the rapid transit BART train into work in the mornings, uh, under, uh, underground, under the San Francisco Bay, and I'm playing Spotify all the way through there because the songs I've wanted to download are down on the device. When I get back to uh, Surface and have connectivity, it goes back to streaming. I can pick up anything in their library of about 14 million songs. It's a fantastic service. I totally forgot about the, the sync up and local files like that. I was at home one day working on something, and I pulled up my desktop client, and it saw my droid on my on my network, and then it started giving me a prompt for synchronizing. I'm like, "What is this?" And I forgot. Oh, I can get more of my stuff. You know, it's that's that, a real nice feature to have to be offline. That was something know? about Google Music that I really liked. Not only at first, I, I got in pretty early, so I was allowed. You know, we we were putting all our music up there and. The fact that you can stream it and it's constantly looking ahead at what you're listening to so that if you happen to lose your connectivity for a minute or two, it doesn't skip a beat. But then also, if you know you're going to be somewhere, and I mean, everyone who uses G Music probably knows this, but you can go in there and say, you know, put all this on my device and select what you want on your Wi-Fi, and it's it's really fast now. Uh, really you know, when fast. The, when it started, it was 
Man, I <laughs> I'm at like eleven thousand songs, and the the first like five thousand was painful, man. Oh, it took like I feel like three months it of me getting frustrated talking with the Google guys with between you know the send feedback thing and saying you know here's my logs and asking them what they needed, and it was just I was like God, man, come on! And I know it's beta and it just came out, but man, now it's oh, it's shiny. I I love well, it. Imagine if you were someone like me that only had about two megabits up. Oh yeah, see, I was <laughs> I was trying to max out my five megabit up cable connection. It was it was hitting it every now and then. But now, oh yeah, like you can get full albums up there in like ten seconds. It's brilliant. How, how do you guys use these things? Do you do you just listen to stuff that you know about, or do you discover new stuff? See, um, personally, I I yeah. have very particular because I write poetry and hip hop, and I like that stuff to listen to. So I, I generally don't listen to what people recommend. And generally people know that about me, so they don't recommend things. But because, I don't know, I'm a delivery driver by day. So like I'm in my truck all the time. So I'm constantly listening to mainly podcasts and then, you know, the music that's on there. But it's all about having the potential to get, you know, any one of your 20,000 songs plus whatever you've purchased from their, their play store, you know, on top of that and having that on, I have it on my transformer prime and I have it on my droid X and I have it on my, you know, any web browser and I have it on my, my phone because and on my Google TV, isn't that? And so the integration between your devices without like at, at the beginning, it was terrible. It was using double twist to try to Wi-Fi sync and that didn't ever work. So you're, you're messing with card readers and, you know, just trying to find a good way and, and they nailed it with this. And I feel I've had, um, my music drive burn on me before. It was right after a podcast about three years ago and it started doing the dance. You know, it was a, a regular IDE drive in an enclosure but the fan in the enclosure didn't work, so I took it out. And anyway, it's it's doing the dance, and all of a sudden I hear this boom, and like it hits, <laughs> it hits, <laughs> it hits the top of the desk and starts you know smoking. And the magic smoke got released, and that drive was fried. And so I lost not only music I had made, but a lot of like. In my travels, I met DJs and producers, and like I had a lot of stuff that I've been given over the years, and it's gone. And and I feel like having, you know, it's the three, two, one backup thing, different medias and different places, and in you know one here and one there. And I feel like Google Music for your music, at least, and then soon maybe we'll talk about Google Drive, those rumors, but it's a backup. You know, I feel better knowing that I have a copy of this stuff in the cloud, and if I do want it, I can do a mass download real quick, and I, I will not real quick, but, you know, it, it's just uh, a peace of mind, I, I think. I, I'm going I'm to say, though, that music discovery is a big part of the value of the okay. subscription service. Right. I, I can't tell you how many times now I have heard a snippet of a song on a radio station or a friend has recommended something or an artist. I'll I'll date myself a little bit and tell you I'm a big fan of a Prairie Home Companion. Mm -hmm. Uh, An artist will come on Prairie Home Companion that I really enjoy. And, you know, the next thing I know, I'm to this music subscription service, drilling down, finding more of their work. other discovery function is that once you're once you're in the service, whether it's Spotify or one of the others, 
the service will recommend similar artists. You know, right. if you like Willie Nelson, Nelson, you might also like Hot Club of Cowtown. That that sort of thing. So it takes you it takes you in directions you might not have known to look. And you find that happens a lot. Yeah, and I'm a guy who will fall into ruts in terms of listening to music if I don't have that new snapshot of them. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. If I don't have this new stimulus coming along. Well, that's interesting. Now, Mike, um, Mike, have you used the um, some of the little applications inside of Spotify's desktop client? I've used one of them. There's a app that gives you song lyrics, and that works real. It, it it works real well for popular songs. It doesn't work, of course, for obscure songs because it's drawing from an open source uh, library of song lyrics. Right. So someone has to have contributed uh-huh. the song lyrics. Let me ask you guys a different question. Do, do they have a classical collection? They have opera and classical music? Yes, or is they it? do. Yes, yeah. they do. Because I'm a classical fan. <laughs> I have a classical playlist, actually. Me cool. too. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. That, that, both Spotify and Zune, the Zune Pass subscription service for Microsoft, have big uh, classical, also jazz. You know, they're all they're all over with fourteen million. Yeah. yeah, with fourteen million songs, you got a lot of music to listen to. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up with some quick numbers. Uh, the the past year, and we we always hear you know piracy is killing our profits, and this is that. <coughs> Let's just get rid of the Constitution and, and you know, anyway. Um, so here's some, some good numbers. Uh, according to the IFPI's annual recording industry in numbers report. So this is their report. So let's, let's keep that in mind. Uh, revenue from physical media fell by 8.7% compared with 13.8% in 2010. But there were vinyl sales up nearly 29%. So there you go. Digital revenue continued to grow, increasing 8% compared to 56 in 2010. With digital track sales growing 19% to $3.7 billion, with a B songs billion Australia leads the way in the digital space with 60% growth compared with 8% growth in the US and 10% in the UK 1.27 billion dollars in digital singles were sold in the US how's Man. how's your profits how's your piracy issue you bunch <laughs> of crybabies what a bunch of fat cat crybabies oh hey, there, there's a guy that does a cool little comedy riff on on how f- bogus the numbers that those guys put out are the numbers they put put out on how much it costs in piracy how many jobs are lost and stuff and there, I've got a post on yeah no that was uh, I forget uh, Rob... if it's on and or on on YouTube <laughs> that or was... on uh, Google Plus, but we ought to put a link on it. That was Rob Reed. It was a TED Talk by Rob Reed called Copyright Math, and it is the most amazing, humorous piece I've ever heard on TED Talks. We'll put links to it uh, in the the show notes for sure. Um, I think I had it on A&D. Do you? I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, Digital sales made up 31% of the total revenue of the music market and reached $5.3 billion in sales. 
Overall, global music revenue fell by just 30%. That's 3% in the last year. However, 2011 marked the least negative result in global recorded music sales since 2004, when revenues were flat. You know, before iTunes and Apple came and saved their life, basically. Uh, the IFPI credit services like Spotify, iTunes, and unlimited operators like RDO, Mog, and Rhapsody for bringing new revenue models to customers that have helped the U.S. music market. So, there you, know, you go. The whole piracy thing, there's some people out there... That's such a BS excuse. Pirates, you know, because they'll down... <laughs> no, I'm serious. You can, they'll download something and say, you know what, I like it. I'm going to throw this artist a, a couple bucks, and they go out and buy it. Yeah. Yep. You know, especially when you have the 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 age of people making a whole album of you know what twelve songs, and then three of the songs are the, are good, right? And, the other and then on not the, horrible. Meanwhile, you have some kid in a podcast studio making sixteen track albums with eight track EPs and just giving it away for free. Like what Come a on. bunch of babies, you know? <laughs> Who might that be? Come on, I do this in my part. Like, I, are you serious? You're a bunch. Have you ever worked a day in your life? Do you know what that's like? Jesus. Anyway, I, I apologize. Speaking of dead and dying industries, I, I found this piece on uh, BGR that says in the headline, research in motion is dead. 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 They're slashing. Research in motion. Slashing prices. And We've got a founder that's just resigned from their board. Dwindling sales, zero mind share. May they rest in peace. Rest in R.I.P. R.I.M. You got it. <laughs> uh, does anybody have any uh, eulogy? Or <laughs> I feel like I should have wrote a speech or, or something. Rim. At best, you made mediocre devices for the majority of your life. You held on by holding on to the corporate uh, enterprise area until, of course, you completely ruined your security model by giving governments access to servers. May you oh. rest in pieces, Rim. You, you, you they kind of started the whole thing, though. Give, give The first time I ever saw anybody do email walking around, it was on a early rim device really my were they not the first company in that space treo what about the treo my first experience was the old treos i never palm who made treo oh no this no no but yeah i was seeing email okay i but way before that yeah i had a palm uh what was the thing the very first palm palm pilot palm pilot palm pilot yeah no, but this was, was way before that. I saw a guy up at a IEEE Asilomar workshop from RIM, and uh, yeah, he was doing email. Um, okay, the Palm, cool. the Palm Treo, this was the original. It was the Treo 300, and this came out in 02. So, was, uh, was the other one before 02? I'm pretty I sure. Don't I don't know which was first, but I I want to say a word for BlackBerry. I I mocked them a minute ago, but in, well, we're it's we're joking, in, but yeah, a, a, yeah. A decade ago, they were industry leaders. They had I agree. They had cool devices. They the devices really penetrated major markets, and they were 
that they were known for security. That's what got me, Mike, was their their security model until, like I said, those governments, where did it start? Somewhere in uh, the United Arab Emirates, I want to say? It was somewhere over there, but... They went to them and said, you know, this is being used by terrorists. And so RIM, finally, after back and forth, they gave them not a key because RIM doesn't have the keys. They gave them a server, basically giving the government... They were, they were making the government man in the middle in this overall man in the middle attack, which is what it was. And so there, that right there, there goes your security model. And now what you do know. you have? If you don't have security, what do you have? That was it. Uh, RIM is the victim of two megatrends. The the first is the Apple Steve Jobs phenomenon. Sure, he, he he introduced they introduced a product, the iPhone, that just stole the market. Oh, absolutely, you know, took over the market. The, the other thing they're victims of is a, an entrenched uh, management who who refused to change, who That's refused a- to innovate. Who, who didn't see their market disappearing from under their feet. That's a really good point. It's it's hard to get, you know, you, after doing, you, you have so much dependency on previous versions and to make, you know, a big change like that, that's a lot of testing. I mean, the, it may not be worth it, you know, and at the end of the day, it's all a numbers game. So it's going to come down to, What's it going to cost us to completely rework the system to work with this? Or should, let's just forget it. Let's just stay here. Who cares, right? If it ain't broke, you know. And they, so. they've been they've been doing try, pursuing kind of half-hearted uh, models for the last five or more years. I feel like the playbook they they could have innovated, but they really didn't at all. They had something different with the Cunix system. They had. They had potential there. There was a lot of potential there, but they they dropped it. You know, it dissipated. That was it. So, all right. Um, hey let's. Guys, yeah. I gotta tell you, they they had their first mobile device in 1988. Okay, yeah, yeah that, that was that way, was way pre- before. That yeah. way precedes even the Palm. <laughs> but what was that running? So they really on? did invent that. They invented that industry. Um, so let's give them credit for that. Yeah, okay? no, yeah. definitely. Oh, yeah. Is it about who started it or who's still around? I, I feel like there's a certain amount of credit due Let's just, for I know, the... I don't know what it's about, but they're the pioneers, okay? Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't be having this conversation if they or somebody else would have come along. The system. Um, well, I have to tell you, I'm so prescient. I can remember seeing a demo probably around that time and thinking like, BFD, who would want to do that? <laughs> but, uh, you know, Nobody I will can ever. tell you a lot of those stories. <laughs> so can I, Larry. Oh, that's, yeah. that's great. The that's first great. time I saw the web was in right after it came out. It was still uh, in the very early 90s. And I thought to myself, oh, that's cool, man. It's gopher with pictures. Who cares? Gopher. <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh, wow. That's funny. brilliant, Larry. That's brilliant. It's yeah. gopher with pictures. <laughs> <laughs> what was did uh, that's an interesting conversation did did any of you early early users see any kind of potential of, of anything it resembles now or was it more of a toy or a, a private communication system like larry what did, what did you kind of you mean the were, web yeah what was your first impression of it besides i mean gopher with it pictures, was really but, that i was at a internet society conference and tim berners lee gave a little presentation on this protocol and this demo and everything. Right. And I really thought to myself, 
you know, BFD. This is GoPro with okay. pictures. Just like um, more BBS. Two years and... later, or, uh, uh, maybe within the, a year, at the same time, we used to have these annual um, developing nations workshops where we'd bring in people from developing nations who were trying to set up internet uh, uh, internet capability in their countries. And we brought up a web server. Uh, it was, I don't know if you guys... The one that everybody looked at back in those days, it was at a, a junior college in Hawaii, and they had a bunch of pictures of dinosaurs on a website. And so we brought the thing up, and again, um, nobody was taking it as anything revolutionary, um, <laughs> and we were majorly wrong. <laughs> That's really cool, though. The, the, uh, I find that yeah. really interesting, like looking back now and seeing what, what we've turned it into and, and what it started out as. and. Do you yeah. have any uh, any memories like that, Mike? Yeah, I do. I remember the first time someone showed me the web and you know, take, uh, he, he walked me through downloading uh, this thing called Netscape Navigator. I think it was nice to to uh, to uh, work on a desktop PC and showed me how uh, with uh, one. Uh, one search I could bring down p- the combination of pictures and text. I thought, oh, well, that's sort of cool. I wonder where that's going to go. He was all about it, though. I mean, really mm-hmm. excited about it. He, he saw it coming in ways I, I didn't. That's really interesting. So, wow. Uh, all right, I think cool. That, that Netscape Navigator sat there on my desktop unused for another six or nine months. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fun! Well, part of its network effects. It, it it as 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 long as the only thing you could look at was dinosaur pictures from Hawaii, it wasn't so useful. But uh, you right. know, once it started to happen, it started to happen. It yeah, took sure. uh, it took like a quite a few years of gradual building upon and making sure because I, I feel like if they would have if it would have exploded too quickly, it would not have scaled. Like we had to evolve this sort of you know the best best way to scale in this massive amount of use in this day and age with what we had to work with and i feel like it probably would not have uh have been so stable if if that would have been the case but so I, I all right there, let's I let's i think there was a pivot point for me when i first made the decision to give amazon my credit card ah. and, and made my first amazon purchase and the product came a couple of days later in the mail, and I thought, oh, man, this this is really cool. This is so easy. Yeah. <laughs> Scary easy. And that was a big end of the end for me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is crazy about that stuff. All right, well, let's uh, let's shift gears just a little bit. We're going to kind of keep on this whole uh, how how the Internet and, and, and people as a whole have, have kind of continued to evolve hand in hand. I found this interesting article in USA Today written by uh, Sharon Jason, and it's all about how technology can just kind of make us crazy and over time eventually rewire our brains. Um, Co-founder of the web service Votizen says it's, quote, easy to get hooked on this flow of information. He makes very deliberate decisions about how much he lets technology rule. When we want... when he, when he went to Italy for two weeks in 2009, he vowed no cell phone, no email, no internet cafes. For me, I feel like it's creating a lot of weak ties. I have a very large network of acquaintances. I have people I connect with through, through work and social events. 
I can reach a lot more people now, but strong ties? Strong ties are very few for me. I feel like the technology has made us a little lazier in keeping up and working on strong relationships. What's that going to do to us? It's a little scary. I I I feel like that's it's not about how much, but it's about what's there, the quality, the interaction. You can have 10,000 MySpace friends, you know, but what's it worth? What's the purpose? What's the what's what comes out of it, you know? And and Ant, you you see this in in keeping up with all of the social networks, is it making us, is there a trick to getting the, the high quality interaction as opposed to, you know, we got to curate the signal and get rid of the noise, right? Well, yeah, you definitely need to, to get rid of all the noise or you will just spend a, a bunch of time wasting it uh, trying right. to find good content. Looking at cat know, pictures. But, right. But when I first started reading reading that article, the first thing that came to my mind was driving down the road and um, sitting at a red light or what have you, and your phone dings. Yep, yep. What do you do? <laughs> and I also feel like no. <laughs> it it depends how you, what your use case is. Like for me personally, I don't have notifications for email. I automatically assume that whenever I get a text message or a phone call, that there'll probably be a couple email messages there. If I had it turned on, and I hear this with some people that get you know new Android phones and they don't know how to turn it off, and it's mm-hmm. like ding, ding. Mm-hmm. Ding, 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 like all day long, you know, and that mm-hmm. either you get conditioned to it and you stop hearing it or <laughs> it goes the other way and it starts driving you batty. And I started, mm-hmm. I read a study a long time ago about phantom rings and phantom vibrations. And it's, it's all about people that were like on Wall Street and stuff. And they were, they, people that get a lot of interaction and stuff on their phones they would feel their phone vibrating or think they heard it ring even when it didn't because their brain is is manufacturing this expected response and it, i don't know i find that i found that really interesting because it, it, there's a lot of research that that looks at at really the literal impacts on our brains and you know building new cognitive capabilities and and losing others and um you know, I, I think there's really that's. I think it's pretty unequivocal, and there's a lot of stuff like people uh, like multitasking. It's been demonstrated in a lot of experiments that multitasking is a bad idea. That you're less efficient when you're trying to jump back and forth between three or four things. Is it because we're not as human beings? We're not giving both tasks 100% as soon as yeah. you add a and task. Then some, we're giving it's just each. like when you have an interrupt in a CPU, you know, you got to right, have some right. time to store and restore context. Right. Uh, you got to store them registers away. Man. And the brain um, can only buffer but you know, so the, much information. So there's right. a lot of people, you know, sort of like the article you read, that, that sort of saying, whoa, they're really cognitive cost to this stuff. But I can tell you also, I can give you one counterexample, and, and this doesn't offset it. You win some and you lose some. But I watched my little grandson, who's uh, nine years old, and he's there's a game, I don't know if you all have seen it, called Eden, where yep. they build these three-dimensional worlds that can go above the ground, below the ground. You connect up things between them. This little guy can navigate around so fluidly and has such a complex model in his head now in this three-dimensional space. He just... You know, his spatial relations are 20 times better than mine. And he wants to be an architect when he grows up. And the truth is, it's going to hold him in good stead. So 
maybe some of the new concept, con- the new capabilities we're gaining are going to offset some of the losses. So now let's about. look at that a different way. Do you feel like in the same space, kids that grow up and they spend more of their time playing games like Call of Duty or uh, Ghost Recon oh, or yeah. any of the no, no, war no. games? These little kids live tons. You were talking about the social stuff before. Yeah. yeah. I personally, for my taste, they spend way too much social time playing games. No, uh, but what I'm would, talking about is if you love it. if you yeah. have a kid and you play you raise him playing flight simulator games or race car games, they're going to have those memory connections in their brains. Mm-hmm. And if you put them in a car, or put them in a plane, they will have a better understanding or oh, yeah. idea of what's happening. I think my but little in, grandson Luke is going to be a better architect for having screwed around with this game for the last six months. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Listen, I think it'll really help him. Now, what happens if you put those same kids in war games? Are they more apt if you gave them an AK and a mission? Would they know what to do? Like, is it conditioning (laughs) kids to want to go join the military? I'll bet the kids that do those fast, twitchy games, and maybe you're one of them, uh, I'll bet their reactions are better. I'll bet it makes them better tennis players or something. It, it must have some payoffs. We I, tennis? I don't know about okay. I, uh, I'm saying if... Never thought I would equate Call of Duty to tennis. <laughs> hey, whatever. It's react. Look quick and react, man. But would you say, Ant, if, if you were raised, or if your kid was raised on, on these war games, if you gave him a mission op and a gun and some gear, would he, he would have a better idea of what to do than a kid that was not. I have to disagree to that. Really? Um, You're wrong. Done. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. I'm interested to... You get out there and and it's one thing to, to play this game and get shot 50 times and still live. Okay, I, I I get that. It's a totally different experience. But I mean, but as see, far as the but procedure, see, when they go out there, they have that they have those reflexes of what they're going to look for and whatnot. But it's a different thing when you have fear, right? Out right. there with you, you know. So. They don't have that part of the training. But what I'm saying mm-hmm. is, they they have enough of that. I know what to do. Hide behind stuff. And and Grant, oh, fear yeah. will completely override that unless you have the proper training. But right. if you gave That's them that training on top of it, they would have a better head start than a kid that say grew up playing flight sim, and vice that versa. That kid. That could I will f- agree with because okay. they ha- they are doing. It's making um, memory. It's it's making yeah. connections. Synoptic. Let me get your building skills. I'll give you. A, I'll stay with sports. A kid that's been doing a lot of these Warcraft games where you got to watch out for somebody jumping out and shooting you, he's going to be better time. spotting receivers downfield. He's going to be right. better bringing the ball up the court in basketball and, and seeing somebody in his peripheral vision to hit with a pass. I really that's think true. that that's you know, we're building visuals. We're building different kinds of cognitive skills. Uh, these kids will have ones that we don't have. Oh, well. So... What happens then if you can pipe that into a real-time system and augment your reality perception through through these information points and everything? That that would just be like the ultimate, you know, next Google step goggles. in Google Goggles, man. I wish I would go into I.O. Are any of you guys going to I.O.? Or? Oh, I wish. I wish I could. I heard somewhere that it sold out in 20 seconds or something. It was 20 minutes, and yeah, sold out completely. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Man. Which was what? Like, I, I went last... to the uh, Microsoft, uh, the build deal where they, they first rolled out Windows 8. Yeah. And But I went with a press pass, and they don't give you the goodies when you go with a press pass. Nope. At least they wouldn't give me that Samsung nope. tablet. So I don't know if you get the goggles on a press pass either. Go get your picture and go write your blog. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> get out of here, kid. You bother me. Wang. 
<laughs> well, that that should be fun. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll hear uh, all about it online. All right, let's move forward. And you had something interesting about Blackboard and Moodle. Tell us about that, please. Uh, no, that was actually Larry. Why is your name in front of it, Ant? What the <laughs> he hell? What? He nominated a post I did. I said I like that. You know all I do is read off the script. Come on. Come on. <laughs> all right, Larry, you had an interesting post about Blackboard and Moodle. Would you care to tell us about it? Well, Ant's the guy that liked it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, what, it, was, it was a post kind of... I don't know if you guys is that too much inside baseball, but no, Moodle and Blackboard are let's get it on. everybody. Does everybody listening know what those are? I've never heard Raise of either of those ever. I've heard of Moodle. We use Moodle on my job, so I've, I've definitely heard yeah. of. It. And I, I am Blackboard. I am really interested, okay. and I have a friend that does programming for. I, it's not either of Blackboard. these, but he was doing a lot of the uh, the core code for the the platforms that run this kind of stuff. And I'm really interested. Moodle's in. public. Moodle's open source, but Blackboard belongs to a, a company. Anyhow, they're what they call course management systems. Uh, Blackboard, like I say, is a company that makes them for profit. They've been they've been kind of rapacious, buying up the competition. Uh, Moodle is a uh, open source thing that that competes with them. And uh, it, like I can tell you, in the California State University system, it's about 50-50. Half the campuses run Moodle, half of them run Blackboard. And what a course management system is, is as a professor, you set up your, you get a space for your course, you put in your syllabus, you can uh, put up reading material, you can give quizzes to the students, uh, you can send emails. So you have kind of a, your each class, each section of your class has a, a space online, and the students can go there and take quizzes and read the material, and a big part of the interaction is threaded discussion. And uh, I've got, I'll disclose my bias, I don't use this stuff. Um, and what, what happened was Moodle being public uh, open source, a lot of places, uh, a lot of universities didn't want to host it themselves, so there was a company called Moodle Rooms that sprung up to host Moodle. And Blackboard just bought them. That was the the news thing that triggered huh. that uh, that um, that Ant sort of flashed on. And you know, my first reaction to that was like, you know, the Borg or something. You know, this <laughs> ugly company is just assimilating all their competition. It's a monopoly now, or yeah. not yet? But you know, on second thought, I put I said to myself, "Geez, if I were Blackboard, I would look around and I'd say what I'm doing now is doomed. Anyhow, it's kind of like the the rim." Okay, sure, I've sure. sort of started this thing. I've jumped off, but as far as I can see, the the use of digital technology in education is just starting out. And what Blackboard and Moodle uh, do is they try to copy in a digital space what people have been doing in classrooms in the past, uh, and that is that happens with every new medium. Uh, Gutenberg's first books that he printed were big oversized Bibles that were just like the ones that were chained to desks in monasteries. <laughs> when people started making movies, they stuck, you know, cameras in front of stage plays. And, and every medium has that same kind of a, let's mimic the past. And that's what Moodle and Blackboard are. But if I look around, um, they're going to they're gonna all, they're gonna be completely gone in 10 years anyhow. Uh, so I think they, Blackboard must realize that and they want to get into this open space, uh, open source world because there's so much innovation going on. So, Larry, maybe let that's me... one way to get their foot in the innovation door. But, man, the innovation. I, I put on our DACA a, a, um, 
a graph of the number of, of new uh, companies coming to do education, to do higher education in that case. And it, the, the, I guarantee in 10 years, Blackboard and Moodle will both seem really old-fashioned. So, Larry, let me ask you, being in that space, what, what what's the innovation doing? What's the next step? What's going to replace Moodle and uh, Blackboard? Okay. Um, first of all, i got to totally tell you, I don't know, but I can give you <laughs> Give me babies. a shot, shot okay. in the dark. Cause Modularity. I'm thinking something um, modular with iPads with a central source that can be easily updated and transmitted throughout. Maybe something well, time, peer to peer. Then what's gonna you tell us what based. the future is? I don't know, man, but it I, sounds I'm, like you do. Yeah. Uh, there's a million people doing really creative modular stuff. The Khan Academy is the is the one that gets the most attention. Um, but like Matt or Matt the aunt aunt and I went back and forth a little bit about Viheart. She's a lady that makes these really cool little um, mathematical videos. Um, there are t- there are tons of people that are making modular material, um, and you can pull together a course around modular material, or you can have a say a textbook course, and you can bring in modules to to help you know to enrich in certain parts of it. Um, I think we talked last week. The textbook makers are starting to make textbooks that are modular, so you can include and not include material. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a uh, an outfit called Connections at Rice University. They've got uh, 12 and a half years, they say, experience with, with courseware modules. So, you, you know, you go for your course, you pull out, and it's a real, it's like the music thing. The problem isn't having a ton of stuff, it's discovering the good stuff. Um, but so can, there's a lot of these uh, collections of modules and a lot of kind of creative, I'll call them teaching artists that are building modular courseware. Uh, so I think that kind of stuff is is one thing. A whole other thing is the kind of social stuff you guys were talking about. Uh, that's something I'm doing in a project at California State University where I am. Is I'm We're asking the question, hey, can all the kids that are taking a given course, what happens if they can communicate with each other? Uh, is there something to be won by doing that? How about if they can all, all the people, and I mean not in a campus, but across the whole system. Oh, what but if all Larry, the what that about are taking the, a given course can communicate with all the teachers? What about that the privacy? The privacy, Larry. What about the privacy? <laughs> what about the didn't, privacy? Didn't Facebook do that? Isn't why that, does that does it does that hurt your privacy? To isn't uh, that Facebook? Tell another student, geez, here's how I here's how I solved the homework problem. There's Facebook. Yeah. That why. <laughs> Why I'm sure kids are using that. No, 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 no. The California State University is not going to start mining this crap and trying to get people to buy stuff. Uh, this is pedi- <laughs> I mean, you know, come on. Okay. And and the textbook manufacturers, they, they too, I think they realize that this is just the very start of uh, of reform in education. So, for example, Nature Publishing. I talked about them last week. They've got. A deal where you know people that adopt this that biology material of theirs, the students can talk to each other and the professors can see how students are doing around the country, not student by student, but how their students compare to averages and stuff. That's interesting. So I, I don't know. I don't worry. And uh, to be honest, though, I don't worry about privacy too much. Period. No, I was being facetious. Certainly not in this context. Privacy is dead. We, we've hey, said that hey Larry, I'd be interested yeah. in what, what is the study finding? Are there are you that far along? Are there advantages? Are there uh, is there power behind the idea of this connection across university campuses on the same course? 
too soon. I don't know of anybody that's yeah. studying it, but a lot of people are fooling around with it. It's an interesting question, and I, I wish I could. And maybe there are some people with answers, but, but I don't know who they are. Uh, one thing that I think has been studied to some extent, but again, I can't, the results not yet published, are these massive online courses. Uh, the guys at Stanford did started doing mm-hmm. theirs that were very well known. There were a bunch before that, but they really, you know, hey, Stanford. Ro- uh, robotics and, uh, and computer the robotics programming. Um, yeah, they had I think three the first time around, and those things I guarantee you that they had people doing studies about that. Uh, but as far as I know, they're not published. But the one thing that we do know is that one of the guys that was that did the AI course is now spun off and, and either joined or started a, a company to do this stuff. So he must have been pretty, uh, we haven't seen the published results, but he must have been pretty encouraged by what by what he learned. You know, it's it's worth plugging that company. I think it's Audacity. Audacity. Udacity. Udacity. Yeah, it's like univer- Audacious University. Yeah, yeah. Udacity.com. <laughs> you guys should all go check it out. Um it's cool stuff, and it's the same thing they did, the same technology, the same pedagogical approach they used at Stanford, but now they're ramping up more and more courses. Uh, and I can't help, you know, the CSU, I like to bug people. Um, you know, it, isn't that, I mean, is, is the CSU going to go away? You know, maybe, uh, maybe the handwriting's on the wall for us, too. Well, should the information just be put out there, and if people want to learn it, learn it. And if you need the guidance, maybe that's worth something. Who knows? Maybe you can yeah. just record it all and just put it up there for people to grab and add to the the store of of human knowledge. But I think what's what's interesting, what's important, the the more the more content and the more noise that's produced, I think signal curation is really key. Yeah. And there's a, I wrote something a really long time ago and I feel like these apps don't, it's really just why in particular, I guess Google currents kind of does this now, but it, I think I've been using it for long enough that it knows what I want. And when I, so the app is called My Sixth Sense, and I wrote about this and how do you consume your social? How do you curate all of the feeds? Yeah. And so basically this is on a newdomain.net. It's on bufferoverflowshow.com if you want to see the original pre-edit, how I intended it to be. Uh, you can check it out there. So yeah, really. Basically, I have my Google Reader account, and I have all of my news feeds, RSS. I use it for podcasts, all that. I have my Facebook account. I have a couple Twitter accounts. All of this and all of the followers associated with each one and all of the feeds associated with everything that is in that bundle gets piped into this application called My Sixth Sense. And what it does is as you use it, it has what is called digital intuition. And this is a, a, a algorithm designed to monitor your usage and see what you're looking at, see how long you're looking at it, see what you're opening, see what you're sharing, see what you're going to the original post. And it tabulates all of this on the fly. And eventually, as you move up in your digital intuition, if you, you can switch between relevance and time. And I always dip back in there and I am blown away at the amount of crap it does not show me. And it makes, for any show I do, I I host 
five shows in total with everybody. And so any show, the topic, all I do is have to throw it in there and I get all of the relevant information in one spot. And it is the most... And you witnessed this the other night for Attack of the Androids. I said, hey, I'm going to email you some stuff, put it in the doc. And that was me on my tablet going through my sixth sense and just tossing you like, how quick was that? Oh, man, it was. And, I mean, I, I yeah. was getting peppered with emails every three seconds. And it was all, <laughs> this is the show, and here's what we're going to talk about. Like, So I feel yeah. like people mm-hmm. can really save a lot of time, and instead of just looking at you know the, the overall store of information, you need to find what's interesting to you and what's pertinent to your life and what you're doing, and... These tools can really just cut that you know, time you, in half. You've really put your finger on the what I see it, in my experience, and I've been messing with this for a long time now. The thing that's still totally unsolved with this modular course material is you got two use cases. I'm a teacher. I want to teach next Monday about Topic X. We're, help me discover a really cool module that will help with that. Yep. And the second one is I'm a student. They're trying exactly. to teach me about Topic X. I don't get it. Help me find a real cool module that'll help me learn about that. And that, those two questions are not answered by any of the repositories that I just named or the, the and world in general. You, That's a super. Um, somebody answers that, then they they've cracked it. If you think about it, that's, I mean, all it is is monitoring use case, assembling heuristics for the, the amount of data and what you have, and, and here's what you want to look at. And no, then, but this is for something. Hey. No, I see what you're I, saying. You're being, saying, geez, this is a time, you know. But it has to, to They're use trying to that, teach me about binary numbers. But listen. I don't it, get it. It has Help. to use that to assemble a profile of the individual so no, that it can then, the when you search it, for it's it. It's a new... Then from the from the student stuff. standpoint, it's not part of his experience. It's something he doesn't know about. Right. So well, it's he not should. yet in his profile. If you don't know, you better it's ask similar somebody. Similar that it's a discovery. It's interesting. So, all right. Yeah, uh, moving forward, we got time for a couple more interesting uh, pieces here. What do you want to discuss before we wrap this up? Larry, you and your daughter played around with some Google Hangouts after uh, last oh, yeah. week's show. You want to tell us hey, about man, that? I, that was my my da- my granddaughter. I hate to tell you. <laughs> well, shout out to Larry's granddaughter. Hey, yeah. hey, shit, man! If if that's hey. how old my daughter was, yet I another be here. Yet another techshow dot com. Hey, <laughs> yeah, it's no, you know what we did was um, we. I don't know if y'all recall. I think maybe some of you weren't even on. We we placed an audio dial out to Matt's mom. Yeah, oh, yeah. before we yep. before we went on. That was fun. And it was cool. She, uh, she talked. We my heard mom. It. She was uh, part of the conversation. Apologizes. <laughs> she apologized. <laughs> we apologized. Whatever. So after we all hung up, it crossed my mind. Whoa! I would love to be able to do a hangout <laughs> where I've got uh, you know some people in in the hangout and a whole class full of people say dialed in, jacked in audio on audio only. And so uh, uh, Sophie and I, we each took a different phone and I tried to call both of us. And the truth is the first time it worked, uh, I started to hang out, called Sophia, called myself on my home phone, and we were all, we were both in the hangout. And then I tried to, to repeat it about 15 minutes later, maybe 10 minutes later, 
and it wouldn't work. It would let me call one person at a time, but but no more than one. So huh. um, too bad. I was hoping we could get uh, you know fifty different people in on on you know I was hoping it was free conference calls, uh, but it's not. Yeah, you like bad to think. News. Yeah. You like to think those engineers thought about that ahead of time. <laughs> I don't know, man, because you know it's really weird. It it worked the first time I tried it, th- at least for two of us, and I thought this is totally cool, and and couldn't recreate it. But if so you think like, about it, yeah, maybe maybe they sort of read my mind and thought, oh shit. But think about it, it, guys. What <laughs> kind of deal does Google have with Verizon? What kind of deal is Verizon trying to make with cable companies? If Google pulled something like that and was like free everything. I, I don't think that would go over very well, and I think they would they would reconsider uh, certain options. I think I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, that's like one of the other things on the uh, dock that we've got is just just exactly what you said. The Swedish a couple of the cell the mobile companies in Sweden have have uh, yep. asked that Skype and and VoIP services be banned. Now, what do you think about that? Is that yeah, why sucks. should they be able to say? Any competition that uses the same or different technology from us should be banned. No competition. This is ours. This is ours. <laughs> like, shut this up. This is where we came Why? in with the music in this What's show? the problem? <laughs> Bunch of crybabies. Why is everybody afraid of competition? If you want to be communist, then fine. Let's do that. But since you don't want to do that either, you're going to have to deal with this the way it's set up and if i think of a better way to let people talk to each other then screw it's, you it's all about profit what's man. up now yeah hey, hey man i totally get it but, uh, but you know that it's going to get dirty yeah it's, and we're it's been to see that in europe it's been dirty where, they, where these monopolies have billions of dollars invested and built in the build out of old technology oh, I agree. And they're trying to protect themselves in Europe? Well, I'm on the good old USA. And the USA. <laughs> How's Ma Bell doing? Verizon, AT&T, Comcast. How's Ma Bell? She, she's still around? So right. <laughs> and they're going to go down fighting, but they're going to go down. Yes. So why don't they pivot, move, change the business model, and go with the times, continue, or then retire? Who cares? Well, the successful ones will... And the the others will become uh, uh, footnotes in history. And this is uh, this is contrary to what net neutrality would have liked to have seen, <laughs> or what is net neutrality dead? Is that that's not a conversation with five minutes left in the show to start? Uh, yeah. But I, I feel yeah. like this is not a, a positive move in in the direction for real and true open net neutrality. No, it's obviously not. It's but all... the truth. I, I agree with Mike. In the long run, these guys lose, but in the oh, short run, sure. they're going to hang sure. on as as long as they can. Yep, they're making a ton of money. And th- the other thing they would say is, "Well, we have a fiduciary duty to our stockholders." Oh, to do this. of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah, right. Then, so does the company that you just tried to have banned. So, who's right and who's wrong? Quit being babies about it, Jesus. Fix. Yeah, I That's think all. we are, we're preaching to each other. I know. I know. Yeah. We need. To, I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> these poor, 
these poor cable companies, people are using them for piracy. People are looking up child pornography. Yeah, people are doing all sorts of evil and dirty deeds on these internet. You know what's really? You need to lock it really down. Nice. No, listen, lock it down, and you can pay for it, and we'll watch you. Privacy is dead. Lock it down, and we'll watch you over your shoulder. But you know what? The really scary thing is that China is doing that successfully. <laughs> yeah, they are locking down internet but for Mike, a billion people. Mike, that's that's hundreds and hundreds of years of continual brainwashing, reality creation, all all that social engineering. I mean, if that's not not, work, not working here, I hope not. Uh, that would be well. Better. No, here you do it a different way, Mike. <laughs> Silent it, what weapons. Is con- what does a congressman cost these days? <laughs> Silent <laughs> weapons for precious quiet little. Wars. Okay, Con- if I were a, that's the one thing I'd say. If I were a congressman, I would surely sell my votes, but I would get a hell of a lot more than I'm, than these guys are paying. These right. guys. And, I'd, and I'd be tr- and I'd be transparent about it. I'd say, hey, I got more votes for sale. What's up? <laughs> Yeah, really. I right. do a Google thing. We do an auction. Okay, uh, I'm on Sales eBay. Coming up. What am I bid? I'm on eBay. Put my vote on uh, eBay. Look it up. I'm on eBay. It's cool. I'm also on Craigslist. No, if you uh... in, a, in a serious way, that, to me, that's really scary. I mean, democracy may be uh, dying at the end of the line in its death crap. throes. It's not a, it, yeah. All right. Well, on that note, thanks for joining us at yes, yet another tech show.com. It's been a great show. Check us out every week online. We're in iTunes. Please write us a review. We would appreciate that. And tell them how much we would appreciate that. I would appreciate it a whole lot. That's right. A whole <laughs> lot. Hey, if I were a congressman, I'd be willing to pay you something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Hey, does my palm feel greasy? No? All right. Come on. Come on. Come on. Give it. All right. Thanks for listening, you guys. Uh, you can leave us messages, and we'll hear them. 406-204-4687. Email us info at... Yet another tech show.com show at oh no, it's actually the crew at yet another tech show.com. So check us out and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. What day? And go Wednesday. That is going to be Wednesday, April the 4th. All right. And Google, please, we're waiting for our uh, YouTube live hangout thing. So as soon as we can do that, yeah. everyone can yeah. join Come us. Come on, Google. Everybody wants to see yeah, my hey, face online. Don't send us an email. Send Google an email. Tell them to right. do that. Email yeah, yeah. Google at Google.com. <laughs> no, I don't, hey, I don't but seriously, do you have to be kind of a rock star to get in on that? Or? We'll see, won't we? <laughs> hey, Ant is a rock star. This is Matt yes. Lee. This I is am Ant. a rock star. This is Larry Press and Mike Rothman and I mean, everyone else that will be bringing in. Is there an application process? Or I just asked, just, you gotta honestly, or? I asked yeah. Gina Smith, and I was like, hey, do you, can you, would you please? So we'll see. Who knows? Cool. Uh, but in the meantime, you guys can check out our Google Plus page and our Twitter and our Facebook page. And join us. We'll continue the, the conversation online because all of us are complete geeks and nerds. So we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Yes. Bye bye. Yes.
to Yet Another Tech Show. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.